Yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, it's okay to record uh, this conversation. Obviously, it's not a sermon, but I should probably still... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to just say that uh, I can't give permission to to promulgate or publish this uh, just because those are the kind of restrictions I'm living under. Yeah, and the vaccines. Talk about that a little. Okay. Look, I've, I've been prepared for that question, not because of you, but because I've actually copied something and I... To put in my breviary, um, just because it's handy. And, then, and but here you go. And so this is. Uh, I'll, I'll read some things and make comments. So this is photocopied from a pretty standard work. It's called Moral and Pastoral Theology. It's by Father Henry Davis, and this is the ni- 1949. So it was a sixth edition, and this is from 1949. So it's certainly. But I. Th- these are going to be on two sides of the same page to show you. So I'm going to read read something, and we'll just talk about it. So in regards to the vaccine. Let's start first with the people involved, like the doctors, nurses, and military personnel that potentially would be giving these new vaccines, these new COVID vaccines. And I put that, you know, out there. Okay, so I'll just read this. Doctors may not use the bodies of the sick for experimenting with uncertain remedies when sure remedies can be used. When there are no sure remedies, a doctor may test the remedial nature of newly discovered drugs if there is no risk to the patient. Okay, so what does that have to do with anything? You can't just use people as guinea pigs. No one, no one would deny that this thing has been fast-tracked. In this administration, they call it Operation Warp Speed, but all over the place, they have all these things fast-tracked. This is so urgent, they tell us, that we can't do any testing. You know, ordinarily it would take years to develop a vaccine, but we'll just do it like magically in a couple months or weeks or days or whatever it might be, you know, who knows. All quite incredible, to put it mildly. And then they want to give it to everybody. So let's talk about the disease first, just very, very, very briefly, because I'm not going to make a bunch of comments on that, but just in proportion to the vaccine. So you can see in different things. Wait, I even I even have data here. I saved some data. I got this on, on my phone. Let me see if I can find that really, really quick. But just to talk about some of the data, this is from Dr. Giancarlo Blangiardo. So he's the president of ISTAT. That's the Italian government institution, uh, Institute of Statistics. Italy was uh, purportedly the hardest hit by this COVID. So these are from last March. This last March is the height of the, the crisis over there in Italy at that time. And, you know, they were the first country in the world where everybody went into mandatory lockdown because everything was so serious. And so COVID is such a deadly respiratory illness that they had to do this. This is what we're being told. So here's actual statistics. And, March 2018, these are the deaths from respiratory illness in Italy. March 2018, 16,220. So that's how many died of respiratory illness in March 2018. In March 2019, in Italy, 15,189 died from respiratory illness. So in 2018, 16,220. In 2019, 15,189. In 2020, so this is the height of covid 
where Italy has to be locked down because the, the situation is so serious. So in March 2018, 16,220. March 2019, 15,180. March 2020, and these are official statistics, 12,352. Okay. Now, I looked at the UK for total deaths in the first week of March. It was suggested to me by someone else, and I, I checked it, sure enough. It was basically the same. Now, what's interesting is when you look in the United States, and I've looked at that, but the best thing just has come out is uh, a gal from uh, Johns Hopkins, a professor there, has done an analysis of the, the death rates, and it's, it doesn't seem to be significantly different than any other year. Okay. So wait a minute. We're going to use people for guinea pigs when a doctor may not use the bodies of the sick for experimenting with uncertain remedies when sure remedies may be used. How uncertain can you have as a vaccine that hasn't been tested significantly? It can't be more uncertain. When there are no sure remedies, he may test the remedial nature of newly discovered drugs if there's no risk to the patient. But it's clear if you've looked at the, what they have released on the consequences. There's lots of serious consequences in the tests they've done. So what does this mean for the people, the doctors, nurses, and military personnel that are supposed to give shots? I don't see how they're going to be free from sin and grave sin by giving any of these shots to anyone. That's in the first place. And that's just on the data we've got here. That's on the data we've got here. Okay. Now, what about taking the shots? Well, I want to turn the page. We'll talk about that, but let's talk about the people taking the shots. So, this is a photocopy from the next page. The body may not be mutilated unless mutilation is the only available means of saving the rest of the body, i.e. its life or health. Since man may not take away his life, so neither may he mutilate his body, for the members of his body are not his to dispose of, but are to be used in their integrity to help him to fulfill the divine purpose and achieve his own perfection and last end. But since life is better than a member of the body, the latter may be sacrificed, a member, if necessary, to save the whole body. Okay, so the body may not be mutilated unless mutilation is the only available means of saving the rest of the body. It's life real. Why did I suddenly turn to mutilation when I turned the page? Let's talk a little bit about at least several of these uh, vaccines. If we're to take seriously what they're saying... Several of them are novel, never before been tested or used, never developed before vaccines using either mesh or RNA or a DNA of some kind. As a biochemist, that doesn't really matter. But you look at this and you say, well, that's just a little bit more than interesting. Because at least potentially we might be genetically modifying the people that receive these shots. Now, that's a big fancy word, but the, another way of saying GMO or genetically modifying is to say mutilation because you're actually changing the genetic code in the cells of these people. And they're crowing about how they'll make them into antibody, uh, little, little antibody factories and so forth. That's not the point at all. Who cares? That's a mutilation. How serious a mutilation is it? Well, some people might say it doesn't seem that serious because you can't see it, but that's they don't understand the mutilation. It's a mutilation much more serious than like what people that are transgendered go through. Because all they're doing, and it's wrong what they're doing, we pray for these people, but it's definitely 
wrong and, and gravely, gravely wrong. What they're doing is they're just changing the exterior appearance of their body with uh, mutilating surgeries. Gravely sinful. It just changes the appearance. May change, uh, you know, it may change some other things if they, if they have uh, sex organs removed, but uh, that's it. This is changing every, your DNA. It changes everything in your genetic, you know, every cell, not your red blood cells and so forth, but potentially every cell, you know, or at least, uh, you know, the target cells. I don't know, because we don't know what exactly is going to happen here. But to do this. So, I'll go back to this. That's a, a, the most serious mutilation one could probably think of is a genetic modification. I can't think of a more serious mutil- mutilation. The body may not be mutilated unless mutilation is the only available means of saving the rest of the body. It's life or health. Well, this is a coronavirus. Colds are coronaviruses. A lot of a lot of colds and flus. We actually know how to work with these kind of things. Even though the media would have you think, but this isn't our first rodeo, and you don't to genetically modify you for something like this. No, it's not the only available means. Since man may not take away his life, so neither may he mutilate his body. For the members of his body are not his to dispose of. We belong to Christ. They are to be used in their integrity to help them fulfill the divine purpose and achieve his own perfection, and last end. You don't have the right to take a shot like that. It would be gravely sinful to take a shot like that, knowing this. We're talking objectively speaking. Objectively speaking, for the medical personnel slash military personnel, it would be gravely sinful to inject people. Morally speaking, object, you know, objectively speaking, it would be gravely sinful to take these kind of shots. What about uh, the ones with fetal tissue? Rome says uh, it's, it's remote uh, material cooperation, etc. Well, okay. Just for the sake, of, I'm not going to enter into that for the sake of the argument right now. Let's grant that part of it. I'm right and wrong on that. Cause it, but what are we really talking about with these kind of situations? With fetal... We're talking about Communion with a human sacrifice. I think people have to start thinking more spiritually about these things. We're talking about communion with a human sacrifice, and that actually matters. Well, a little Byzantine baby, when they're baptized and chrismated, oftentimes they receive their first Holy Communion. So they're in communion with that once-for-all sacrifice of our Lord. And they've received His precious blood into them. But the little baby or the adult that has these things injected into them is all of a sudden in communion with a human sacrifice or sacrifices. That actually matters. I really got thinking about this years ago. I had a child brought to me, one and a half, maybe two years old, I don't remember, but just filled with anger and rage and so, you know, so many problems like that. And... uh I did a deliverance prayer, and he got well. I watched him grow up, and he became a very virtuous young guy. The deliverance prayer was specifically because of the vaccines. 
because this problem had started after the vaccines. And I'm not Padre Pio. I just thought, well, okay, knowing what I know about vaccines, this may have a demonic element related to the fetal tissue and the human sacrifice. And the blessing cured it. That's not the only one. That was the first one. That's not the only one I've done. I'm not saying all vaccines are related. This is not something about vaccines in general. It's about a particular situation with human sacrifice related to it. I don't think that we want to be in communion with the human sacrifice except our Lord's. I think that's really clear. What are we thinking if we're willing to risk that sort of thing? I, I don't see how, once one understands that aspect of it, that it really is a communion with a human sacrifice. That I'm willing to, I'm willing that somebody else would die in a violent manner so I don't get a bad flu or maybe a mild flu. I don't know. Whatever kind of flu. So somebody should die that I might not get this situation. And I'm willing to inject that into me? I mean, seriously, think about what we're doing here. I don't see why that... If one has that kind of understanding, I don't see how that could be free from grave sin either. So morally, I don't see how people... Now, the bishops, if some of the bishops, Bishop Strickland has taught, not on that, not using that same thing, but against that kind of vaccine. The Bishop of Fresno has said something about that. God bless those guys. And I'm sure there's others. I don't know. But uh, I don't see how it'd be, you'd be free from sin by willing to, to basically uh, take a, a human baby, uh, put him in a blender, and, and use those parts, you know, to help you be healthy. I don't, I don't understand that at all. And I'm not going to understand how that could be free from sin. Does that make sense? <laughs>